Hey y'all, this is your girl Amber from Reaching Your Potential Podcast. I am so excited to bring on this next guest into the podcast. It's actually one of my fellow friends in the kettlebell community, but also fun fact, she's also a physical therapist that's specializing in pelvic therapy. I know we don't really know what pelvic therapy is. It's probably the first time you ever heard of it, but this guest is going to tell us all about it and the beauty of pelvic therapy and also how so many people can benefit from it. So let's get started. everyone to meet Julia Rosenthal. She is one of my good friends from fitness and it's just so cool how we both were able to connect in such an awesome way, not just through fitness, but also through the therapy world. But uh, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let her talk a little bit and give us a little blurb about herself. So everyone meet Julia. Hi, everyone. Uh, first, I want to just Thank you, Amber, for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and to talk with you and with your audience. Um, so as Amber mentioned, I am a pelvic floor physical therapist. And um, what that means is that I help people with a variety of symptoms ranging from things like bladder issues of many kinds, bowel issues of many kinds. So people who are constipated or are having difficulty controlling stools, um, and also people with different sexual dysfunction. So pain during sexual activity, pain in the genital region. And then beyond that, I'm also a regular orthopedic physical therapist. So I treat people with low back pain and neck pain and pain in other areas in the body. Um, and you'll be surprised to hear that both of those things are usually very related to each other. So the people that I'm helping with pelvic floor concerns are usually people who I'm looking for orthopedic factors like that that might be contributing. Awesome. Thank you again for explaining what pelvic therapy is and what you do, and especially letting us know that you don't just work in the pelvic, pelvic therapy area. You also do the general population and different orthopedic um, issues. I don't want to say issues, but <laughs> basically, you know, different things that people are dealing with in terms of pain and discomfort. So I thank you again. My pleasure. Alrighty. So before we dive a little bit deeper into pelvic therapy, what made you know, or like, how did you know you want to get into physical therapy? So, um, so when I was in high school and college, I was always really drawn to the sciences. Um, but I was also a person who knew that I wanted to be interacting with people uh, as much as possible in my day-to-day -day experience. And so because I didn't really know what my options looked like, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to medical school. That's going to be the path for me. Um, and when I was in college, the more I learned about how our medical system actually works um, and how in my capacity as a medical doctor, I would have to interact with patients, the more I realized that that was not actually how I wanted to interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis. And I started looking for other options. Um, and my, I actually had a family member who was in 
um, like a significant car accident who introduced me to their physical therapist. And um, I was just kind of like amazed by how, by the work that that therapist was doing and the difference within one session that he could elicit in his clients. And just kind of like watching him give people function back um, really made me interested in finding a way to do that for myself. I love that. Um, I feel that whoever I talk to when it comes to physical therapy or occupational therapy, there's always one specific situation that we experience or are a part of that really makes a huge impact of the decision we make in terms of this is exactly where I want to go or what profession I want to pursue. So Unfortunately, it was a car accident, but the beauty of the progression from where they were to getting better, getting stronger, improving their function was something that that physical therapist was so good at and really made an impact in you choosing physical therapy. Yeah, for sure. I think you hear the story a lot where it's like an athlete who had an injury and then they were like, wait a minute, I can help people with this for my job. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's why they choose to do, right, they choose to go down this path. So I think we all kind of come to it a little bit differently. And especially the pelvic floor stuff is like its own whole thing. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> um, I can imagine. Like, yeah. even for OT, I, my story is so weird, too. Um, I honestly didn't know about occupational therapy until college. So all I knew was physical therapy and like nursing and being a doctor, but never knew about the other rehab therapy professions. And my school luckily did have a PT program and an OT program. So I was able to kind of dive a little bit deeper, do more research in terms of the difference between the two, what PT was, what OT was. And I felt like OT was really um hitting all the nails or checking all the boxes for me in terms of not too much science in terms of, because I wasn't really good in science, <laughs> but um, I just loved how OT combined creativity with science in order to get people independent again and doing meaningful tasks. And in terms of the population I work with right now or older adults, the most meaningful occupations are those self-care tasks because we take those things for granted as young adults. Um, but these are things that really impact someone's quality of life that they're unable to do these simple routines as we see them as simple, like putting on your shirt and going to the bathroom and washing yourself. But these are activities that some older adults cannot do on their own. So I really was really intrigued with that. And then also with my relationship with my great grandparents who they lived to be 94 I believe 94 and 98 years old they were able to live at home and do most of their things by themselves until like later down in life but seeing how they lived I felt like hey maybe I can be a part of this profession and help people hopefully get to that level of independence, but at least that quality of life, you know? So, yeah. Also, quick question. Where do you go to mm -hmm. school? Uh, PT school? Yeah. Um, so I went to PT school at Columbia and I graduated in 2017, but I took some time in between college and um, PT school 
to like work and kind of figure out what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working in a psychology practice, which was its own cool experience. But I learned a lot. I actually learned a lot about running a practice, which was really became really helpful when I decided to run my own. <laughs> That's so awesome. And I guess we can dive a little bit deeper into that. When did you know you wanted to start your own practice? Um, so I was working in a outpatient private practice, pelvic floor specific private practice, um, you know, in 2020 when COVID happened. And like many other private practices, it was not possible for us to stay open. Um, And so almost every therapist working there at the time was furloughed. Um, And we were sort of in this limbo land of um, what was going to happen. Like there's just like a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people around that time. Um, And so as more and more people started making the transition to telehealth and I started realizing, hey, like I'm actually pretty good at this. Like I can help people um, virtually in a way that I think other therapists are a little more reluctant about. Um, So I just, I took a teaching job actually, um, lab TAing at my PT program that I went to. And while I was doing that, I started building my practice, but it was all virtual. And eventually it was virtual at home visits. And then it was virtual at home visits and I was renting a room. And then I finally um, ended up with my own space around August of last year. Oh, I love that. That is so awesome. And congrats to you for having your own practice and even like building those stepping stones to where you are now. Thanks. Yeah, it was a, I don't think I quite appreciated the, um, the extent of the leap I was taking when I did it. Uh, but I have no regrets. I'm, I'm like very happy that I made that decision. Oh yeah, for sure. I hope down the line in my career that I can do something in terms of like private practice and I know the benefits of them and like there's cons as well. There's always pros and cons for everything, but I'm sure you have so much flexibility in terms of like your schedule and taking how many clients you want at a time and when you want to take off and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you said, pros and cons, right? Because at the same time, if I don't see clients, I am not, I have no income. So it becomes very easy to just work all the time. And your brain is always kind of like in the business. It's like, well, how could I make this better? Or what if I did this? Or what if I did that? So, um, but at the same time, I will say it's like, I probably work more now, but I don't feel like it because Mm -hmm. I like it. You know, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I have the full autonomy to do things how I want to do them, uh, which is really nice. So, yeah, like I know that there's a saying that says like, if you feel like you're, if you're having so much fun with your job, it doesn't really feel like work. Um, If it's enjoyable, it doesn't really feel like working for or work or going to work. And that's always the goal that you should always enjoy what you do. And um, I remember when, (laughs) I was just like maybe maybe five months into like my first job and I'm like I hate this like it was so bad um like the burnout was real in such a short period of time and I knew that I had to do something about it in order to enjoy what I do or enjoy what I went to school for and um that's when I made the move this year to start doing travel therapy 
and I enjoy it so much. Yeah, like it's crazy to think that like I'm just somebody that always needs a new environment every now and again. So the contracts that I have for the most part have been really great because by the time I get kind of antsy to move, the contract is at the end of the, <laughs> totally. the deadline. So it's perfect for me for now, like at the, the place that I'm in until I'm, you know, if I'm ready to settle and, you know, be somewhere permanently permanent. But for now, it's working in my favor. And this is yeah. like the longest I've been working for an agency. So like January will make a year. And I'm like, that's wow. great. Yeah, I'm surprised at myself. Cause usually like after four or five months, I'm like, okay, I gotta get out of here. We're out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I think the the important thing too is that like in PT and in OT, we are always, there's always something new to learn. There's always something different happening. There's, you know, there's people changing their minds about stuff all the time. And like if you're not in a setting that allows you to take in that information and apply it and have variability in what you do every day, then it's, and you're feeling kind of like gassed because of it. It's super easy to burn out or, or even to just feel like, wow, it would be great if I could do this other thing, but my my job is holding me back from being the best therapist that I can be. And that's so frustrating. So I totally hear you on, on all of that. Yeah, exactly. And even to add into the part where you said where your job will take so much of your time, you are unable to really work on the projects or the other activities that are enjoyable for you. And that's kind of how it was for me when I was working full time at one sniff and I was there full time. But I felt like so stressed out that I didn't even have a chance to enjoy my other meaningful occupations, which was working out and Mm -hmm training people. I couldn't do any of that because I was working over eight hours each day, commuting almost over an hour to get to work. And I felt burnt out and I didn't have time for myself. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm so glad I made that switch where I'm able to tell them when I'm taking off. Um, I don't have to work a full caseload if I don't want to. Um, And I get a chance to expand in terms of like my fitness business and training clients and working with the kids as well and fitness and things of that nature. So I have definitely more flexibility and I'm way more happy. I'm definitely That's great. Happy. That's good. It's so important. Thanks, girl. Alrighty. So let's dive a little bit into pelvic therapy. I don't think I did actually the question about how do you get into pelvic therapy? Yeah. So, um, I, when I started physical therapy school, I did not know that pelvic floor physical therapy existed, um, at all. And I have a, like a long history of different bowel issues. Like I struggled with constipation for a super long time. I have a history of disordered eating. I was a power lifter for a long time, which if you've ever done power lifting, you know, that it's just like, you have to have good pressure mechanics in your trunk, we can talk about what that means, but basically like if you're not doing it well, then you can have issues with like your abdominal wall and your pelvic floor and other things in addition to other injuries that can happen. Um, So I had personally all of that stuff going on. And then um, I basically like a friend of a friend told me that she was in constipation. She was in PT for constipation. And I was like, that's 
doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 it totally exists. And it's actually the only thing that has ever worked. And I was like, I need to know what that is about. So that was when I started exploring what pelvic floor physical therapy even was. Um, and then it turns out that I, uh, I had a mentor in PT school who was a pelvic floor physical therapist, didn't even know. Um, and she um, was started on pelvic floor exercise programming for pelvic girdle pain during pregnancy. So that's pelvic girdle pain is any pain that's happening around the ring of the pelvis. So in the pubic symphysis, in the front of the pelvis, around the pubic bone, um, in the tailbone, in the SI joint area, or even the hips, low back, anything around the ring of the pelvis counts for pelvic girdle pain. And so I started participating in that research um, study and then kind of getting my fingers into every pelvic floor thing that I could. Um, and the more I learned about it, I was really into like working with athletes and weight training, weightlifting athletes specifically before I found out about that. And the more I learned about pelvic floor physical therapy, the more I was like, oh, if I'm going to be good at working with those people, I need to be really good at this because this is going to be so important for that entire population. Um, so that was the start. And then basically I looked for ways to do that in high level populations so that I could get good at bringing it into athletic populations as well as working with people, you know, across the lifespan. Oh, that is so cool. I, I'm definitely learning a lot about pelvic therapy. And to be honest, I'm in the same boat as you that I never knew that existed until meeting other therapists like yourself. And even there are some occupational therapists that specializes in pelvic floor therapy too. Which yeah. I had no idea this was a thing, but it's so awesome to know that we can spread in different settings and still have our profession the way it is, if that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. we can all specialize in so many different things and that is your, that's your niche. You know, that is something that, as you said, you knew that in order to really get the benefits of it as a therapist to help other people, you have to learn more and really dive deep into this world that you're still learning about. And I know you saw that as a great investment and getting you to where you are now. So that that's awesome to hear. Yeah, thanks. It was definitely, I, you know, I'm sure this has happened with you too in your career. It's like all of a sudden you hear about something, you're like, oh my God, I have to know everything there is to know about that. And then you realize that you kind of never will <laughs> but you because you're going to be learning forever. But, you know, you, you, you have this kind of opportunity to really figure out what the things are that you're the most passionate and the most interested in about and like really go in on that thing um, so that you can be as good as you possibly can be at helping people with it. And I think it's really exciting. It's like a cool opportunity. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like even now I'm how many years out of school or I guess therapy or being a therapist, I'm only about two years as a therapist um, officially. And um, I've been always trying to figure out like what my niche is in terms of OT because like OT is so broad. 
Um, but I do love like that adult rehab part in terms of OT, but also the difference between like other OTs and myself is just like that background of fitness and really taking the time to dive deeper into it, which I have since 2021 when I started using the kettlebells a little bit more and seeing how functional it is and how it's so much applicable to OT. I was like, whoa, this is something that I can, as you said, take it and run with it and learn as much as you can and really showcase how valuable you are as a therapist because there's not that many therapists out there that specializes in pelvic therapy. There's not a lot of therapists that specializes in fitness or kettlebells and things of that nature. So we're really building our brand and building um, what makes us stand out as therapists, which is an amazing thing to know, especially if you're getting into the therapy world, whether you're a student listening to this podcast episode or whether you're a new grad or just a new therapist or just a therapist in general and just want to learn different things. It's so important to always have an open mind in order to really get your yourself out there and see what the world has, because there's so many things out there for us. Totally. So um, I have another question for you. I would love to hear what your typical day looks like as a therapist and specifically in terms of pelvic floor therapy. Um. Just so that I'm clear on your question, you mean like what kinds of clients I'm working with or from like a business owner perspective? Um, actually, let's, let's, let's actually do both. So let's we'll talk about maybe the type of clients that you may see, um, what type of exercises you may um, provide in a session or what type of equipment you use. I actually see some plyo boxes out the back yeah, there. Like I have a whole know. gym in the back. This is just the treatment room. There's a whole gym over there. <laughs> I love it. So like, yeah, just tell me like what, uh, like what types of equipment you have in your gym or what are your favorite? I know this, this is a loaded question, but if you <laughs> take, take it and leave it. You can like, okay, I like okay. this part. All right. like, I'm not going to talk about that part. Got it. <laughs> um, so um, I, I treat a pretty wide variety of different kinds of things. So for example, um, there will be days where I see one client who is experiencing urinary leakage with, you know, jumping or heavy kettlebell swings or squatting or even just walking and getting out of a chair. Um, and then another person who is pregnant and is having some cubic bone pain and another person who's like a tennis player who has a torn labrum in his shoulder and is trying to get back to tennis and another person who had a total Achilles repair and then another person who is having like severe abdominal pain and constipation. So like, I'm kind of all over the map. I treat people who have um, sexual dysfunction a lot also. So pain with sex, whether that's pain with arousal, pain with penetration, uh, vaginal penetration, anal penetration, uh, pain during erection, erectile dysfunction, um, you know, pretty much all of those things have, there are potential non-musculoskeletal explanations for some of those things, but there is also a musculoskeletal component to some of that stuff. And that's what we are working on here. Um, 
So that's, so my patient population is pretty broad, uh, but from like a, like a, how do I work with them perspective? I use a variety of different tools. I use manual therapy pretty judiciously. So, um, and the way that I explain that to my clients is like, I see manual therapy as a way to calm down the nervous system, uh, retrain the brain and create, and, and like the peripheral nervous system um, and create an opportunity, a window of opportunity for us to create, to build capacity and introduce trainability. So I really want my clients to not walk away with this idea that like they only got better because I have magic hands and that's, that's why they got better in PT. Um, because I think that that's a not true and B it does a disservice to my clients because I want them to feel empowered in their own rehab. Um, so I do use it, but I'm very careful with my language around it. And, um, and then as far as like equipment that I use, um, I love a kettlebell, you know that. <laughs> um, and I also have, you know, I have a squat rack and I have barbells and plyo boxes and hurdles and bands and cable, you know, it's like a whole gym basically. Um, and I use those things to like build general strength and capacity. And then also to help people um, gain mobility, because I'm a big believer in like using load as a way to train the body into being more mobile. Um, and I also, I use it a lot to train pressure mechanics, like I alluded to before. And basically what I mean by that is you, your body needs pressure. It's like part of the way that we generate stiffness for movement. So you'll see sometimes if you see a really heavy weightlifter, they'll take that like big breath in and then they'll go, like hold it at the top. And some of them do that well, and some of them don't. Um, but training the kind of capacity for our bodies to withstand changes in pressure really makes a big impact on your pelvic floor. Um, and then also on your low back and hips and so many other things. So I were, I use my equipment to help people with that. And, um, and I, I think that load really helps people find that it's feedback. And that's how I explain it to my clients. Ah, I love this. So I was writing some notes down while you're talking. Um, but I love how you have a huge variety of clients. It doesn't matter about what the issue is or what the, the problem is. You're working with everyone despite anything, like in terms of injury or different types of dysfunctions or pain in the pelvic area, you work with them all, which I think is amazing to know. And I heard like a huge theme while you were talking in terms of the exercises you provide for your clients, as well as the modalities, is that patient education. And I think that is so important to talk about because that really makes us skilled clinicians in terms of letting them know that, as you said, like you're not the one with the magic hand and the importance of that loading and training their pelvic area and whatever muscles you want them to engage in order to improve whatever they want to do in terms of their goals. But that patient education really sticks to me because it really defines how we are skilled clinicians. In order for us to explain these technical things and these very complex things, 
to clients that have no idea what we're talking about, but allowing them to understand in such like with less jargon is mm-hmm. such a skill. And pelvic floor therapy, I already know, is very complex. So you being able to like explain exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it, um, telling them what exercise they're going to do with what equipment and the purpose of it really shows your skill, your knowledge, but also them trusting the process too. Because I'm just thinking about even like the clients that are dealing with, for example, something as very private is like sexual dysfunction. I already am thinking about how like somebody's going to feel to disclose that information. They're like, hey, I'm having these issues and I want you to help me deal with these issues so I can perform better or not feel pain during sex. Like those are like really deep conversations to have with somebody, especially like with a therapist, you know? So mm-hmm. like, how does that, like, how does those conversations even go? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on the person. I think um, one thing that's probably different about coming to see me versus like your regular orthopedic therapist is that all my clients get the same intake paperwork. So it doesn't matter if you're coming to see me for a shoulder injury or you're coming to see me for penile pain, you're going to get the same paperwork. And that allows me to like pick up on some of these things that are happening in populations where they don't even, they're not even really thinking about that being something that they could get help with. Um, So I might not jump into that conversation day one, if that's not what they're here for. Um, But if it is what they're here for, we're definitely going to talk about it on day one. And like you said, sometimes those conversations are really sensitive. You know, you have to, part of my job is to like be a safe space for people to feel like they can tell me things, they can cry, they can say things without feeling like I'm going to judge them for whatever it is that they're describing. Um, and so I, I'm very aware of that when I'm talking to my clients. And, and I think it's also important to, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trauma in a lot of populations. Um, but I think particularly when we're talking about sexual dysfunction, there is like a higher percentage of sexual trauma. And so, um, you know, being, available for those people to disclose those like that history where that when they feel ready to um is important and then also just kind of like operating under the assumption that every person has experienced trauma and really being clear about this is what I'm going to do now like are you okay with me doing this here are your options for how treatment might go which of those do you feel comfortable with? And like always leaving it very open-ended so that people don't feel like, well, the therapist said I had to do this. So like, I guess I have to, even if I'm not super comfortable with it um, is really important in all populations, but especially that one. Yeah, for sure. Like you have to make sure your patient or clients feel safe. They feel protected that they have that option or have multiple options to choose from. It's not like, okay, this is the only thing we got to do or you're going to do and that's it. But giving them that safe space and allowing them to have options is so key. And I 
I'm so grateful for you to like explain that a little bit more and just say and be very truthful about it that those are really difficult or challenging um, discussions to have sometimes, but you know your role as a therapist and you're always there to make sure that person's experience during any of their sessions or every session, um, you know, that they see the benefits of it and and trust the process each time. So that's yeah. I also think something that some people may not know about pelvic floor physical therapy is that um, part of the exam can include an internal exam, which means, which can be either an internal vaginal exam or an internal rectal exam to examine the pelvic floor musculature. And so that's why, and that's, you know, especially because you're working in a sensitive area, it's so important to be communicative about what that exam entails, why you might do an exam like that. And then always tell people that they don't have to do that exam if they don't want to, you know? So you know, some people really are just like, this is like, I heard about this and I need you to do this exam day one. Some people are like, you know what? Maybe we do that next time. And that's totally okay. Um, but like you said, right? Like our job is to educate people about what you what their pelvic floor even is why it might be why and how it might be involved in what they're experiencing and then what we will do to evaluate and treat those symptoms like very clearly and with options so that they don't feel pigeonholed into doing something that they're just not comfortable with yes and even to pinpoint the fact that you said that they can do it or <clears throat> they have the decision not to do it you know they have that ability for, well, they have autonomy. They have the choice of whether they want that certain um, treatment session or do they want to participate in therapy today or not. They have that right. And it's, it's never our, our job to force anyone to do anything they don't want to do, but allowing them to have that opportunity to choose whether they want to do something or not. So totally. thank you again. And to know yeah, of course. And to know that, you know, they can, we can evaluate things that are related to their symptoms without doing that. Because um, I think sometimes people shy away from going to pelvic floor physical therapy because they're like, well, I don't really want to have this internal exam. So what am I even going to accomplish there? Right. You know, always providing options for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. One last question I have for you is, do you have any advice for anyone that may be listening to this episode that now maybe be interested in pelvic floor therapy? Like, wow, this is so awesome to hear. I didn't know this was a thing. How can I get into this? What will be your advice? Um, so I don't, I don't really know from like an OT school perspective what the steps look like because I'm sure it's a little bit different. But like you said, there are OTs who specialize in pelvic floor um, therapy. And so there are, I'm sure there are ways, you know, roads to specialization within OT. Um, I'm not necessarily the best person to ask about that. From a physical therapy perspective, um, I, my recommendation is not all, not all physical therapy programs have um, pelvic floor physical therapy education as part of the curriculum. So if you are in a program where you don't have that, my recommendation, uh, which was my situation uh, at the time, I, my recommendation would be to get really good at orthopedics 
because there's it's being a pelvic floor physical therapist is basically being an orthopedic physical therapist who also knows how to do the pelvic floor stuff. So get really good at orthopedics. And then um, if you, if possible, do one of your clinical affiliations in a pelvic floor setting, which usually will require you to take some kind of continuing education prerequisite so that you'll have had experience doing an internal exam. And then you can get some of that kind of like hands-on um, clinical experience. And then beyond that, like there's so many good like resources out there now. There's books and YouTube channels and podcasts and all kinds of stuff out there on pelvic floor physical therapy. So just like take it in, learn stuff, listen to people who have been doing it for a while, um, talk about it because you'll learn so much about a, what we can do as pelvic floor physical therapists, but then also how it relates to all the other things you might be interested in about PT, whether it's orthopedics or neuro or pediatrics, there are pediatric pelvic floor physical therapists. Um, so, you know, there's the, the possibilities of how you might use it are totally endless and just explore content so you can figure out what resonates with you the best. Thank you so much, Julia, for that advice. And thank you again for being part of this podcast and this episode. I'm sure so many people have learned so much about what pelvic therapy is and what it's like being a pelvic floor therapist. So thank you again for everything. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, and at the end of each episode, I usually give my guests the opportunity to share their social media handles or any projects that they are doing. This is a time to tell the audience. Cool. Um, so my practice is called Empower Physical Therapy, and it is located in Dumbo in New York City, but I also offer virtual sessions and virtual consultations. So um, the link to contact me for that is in my Instagram bio. And my Instagram handle is at empower underscore physical underscore therapy. <laughs> um, and my website is www.empowerpt.nyc. So you can find me at either one of those locations. And I also will be offering functional nutrition coaching starting uh, spring 2023. So look out for updates about that on my social media platform because that is coming soon. Awesome. Guys, you heard it here. I had Julia on the podcast. We talked about pelvic therapy, what it's like being a pelvic therapist and all the fun stuff. We learned a lot of stuff here. So if you want to reach out to Julia and want to learn a little bit more or get any of her services, she told you all her information. But if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything that was said on this podcast, don't hesitate to reach out to me. You guys have my information. And I will talk to you guys later. Peace out.